You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. This is episode 108 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I am Pimp Cron, as you probably already know. And if you don't know, well, nice to meet you. Today, we are discussing three different things. We are having Just James on to cover the new Techless model and what we think of that. We also have a letter from Patreon sponsor Leroy, and he is giving a rundown of exactly why he does not play each different army. It's pretty interesting. It's very entertaining to listen to. And finally, we have a real talk with the Pimpcron, and Beastman finally has arranged his schedule. The stars have aligned. We got special permitting from the county. And finally, he's been able to get on the show, which I've been trying for literally three weeks now to get him back. And I had to send him flowers and various other things. He really had to be wined and dined, honestly. Anyway, what we're discussing there is how do you choose an army? We've already discussed why people don't pick Xenos armies. How do you actually choose your army? And what is the most wholesome, most natural, most true and safe way to choose a new army or to start your first army and we take all sorts of things into consideration such as price and play style and aesthetics and assembly and all of that so you need to hear that what have i been up to well i have played a game of age of sigmar this week at the club and i played my caradron overlords against legions of nagash and i gotta tell you i have not had a blowout like that in quite a bit it just did not work out in his favor, and I feel a little bad about the game. We ended up, I ended up tabling him in turn three or four or something like that, and all, I was rolling pretty darn good. He was rolling pretty subpar, and I was able to completely kill his 1,500 points, and all I did was lose one 200-point unit of engine riggers. So I killed 1,500 points, and I lost 200. I had almost the entire army on the board still, and it was it was pretty rough. We played uh, Shorehammer lists, and we played Shorehammer uh, Mission. So uh, he wanted to get some practice in for Shorehammer, and I hope that doesn't skew his view <laughs> of Caradron or his list too much, but Caradron can be nasty when you're rolling fairly well, and they're also so darn uh, versatile and mobile that it makes them very fun to play but sometimes i i kind of feel a little bad about playing them they're almost a little too easy to do stuff so then believe it or not i got a late game in with just james yesterday after work and we played age of sigmar and i played my beastmen for the first time i got to really stretch my legs and play a full 1500 point game because prior to that i teamed up with beastman and we each got like 900 points each so i got a 1500 point game in versus Just James, uh, Ossiarch Bone Reapers, and that was pretty decidedly in my favor. I won that game, I think, 12 to 8, something like that. Like, it wasn't a complete blowout. I did almost wipe him off the board, but of course, that's not my intention. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. But the um, all my Bulgors and Dragon Ogres and all that, I'm starting to learn in just two games with them that They've got a lot of damage output. I mean, they're not super durable with the Bulgors having a 5-up save, but they're 4 wounds, and the Dragon Ogres are 5 wounds and a 4-up save, and, I mean, they're, they're, if you play them right, man, they can, they can do some serious hurt, is what they can do. And then, shockingly, utterly shockingly, after months of this summer trying to get one game a weekend, if I'm lucky... I didn't get one. I didn't get two. I actually got three games in this week. I could not believe it. I just played a game with uh, Beastman today before we recorded, and um, the, the dice were not in my favor. I tried my Corn Bloodbound. I just got the new Codex, the quote-unquote new Codex. I never got it when it came out, I guess, last winter or last fall. And um, I got my butt handed to me by uh, Beastman. He was playing his Sylvaneth for the first time, and I was essentially playing my Corn Bloodbound for the first time, and uh, he tabled me off the table. And I know we're talking about a lot of tabling here, and I don't know why, because we very, very rarely table anybody, but my rolling was hot 
garbage. Also, I'm trying to figure out how to play the game, or play the army, and uh, Beastman also was, but his Sylvanath, he had a bunch of Kurnoth Hunters and things like that, so it was um it was pretty beardy. It was pretty, pretty nasty, and just, I've noticed lately that I've had multiple games where I just could not roll above a two, and it was, it was pretty bad. I ended up rolling, like, nine or ten attacks between these two characters in one melee, and I did not wound one time, which is, I know is very similar to the story I told with the um, Beastmen against TJ and Ash when I was teaming up with um, my friend Beastman. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been rough lately. I don't know why. I'm, I'm either hot or cold. I was rolling on fire against the guy this week with the Legions of Nagash. And like every time I went to go do the uh, drop the bombs at the beginning of combat. It's on a four up. They take D three mortals. I don't know. I ever missed a four up. I was dealing mortals all the time. It was crazy. But, um, so for whatever reason, I've been hot or cold lately, but that is the way the cookie crumbles. You know what? I want to mention something I'm very excited about. We have been completely supported by our Patreon sponsors this entire time for the last two years. This podcast podcast has been gone and I greatly appreciate all my Patreon sponsors, but we finally have a corporate sponsor, I should say, and it's a company that I actually approached them and said, hey, I love your product, you know, would you mind being a sponsor? And I'm not going to be shoving advertising down your throat or anything like that for this company, but I do genuinely like the owner of this company. I've dealt with him for years through Shorehammer. I've done other reviews for his products and things on Bell of Lost Souls, and I nearly own his entire collection of terrain. Now, I know recently he just came out with some new stuff in the last six months that I have not had a chance to purchase, but that sponsor would be GameMat.eu, and I love, you know, I'm going to mess up his name. His name is Matosh. I think it's Matosh is how it's pronounced, and um, it's European, and a lot of times us Americans have problems with names, but uh, how to pronounce them, you know? There's a lot of ow and oh and all that stuff. I used to have a Polish friend, and oh man, it was rough. <laughs> Trying to, he he was teaching my wife uh, Polish at the time, and we were, she wasn't my wife, we were teenagers back then, whatever. We, we worked a summer job with this guy, and he spent all summer teaching her Polish, and it was really cool. But it was so many different vowels and whatnot that it was so hard to differentiate for an American. It's really rough. Anyway, I'm very excited that we not only we have our Patreon sponsors, but we also have GameMat.eu. And thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Matosh. And I greatly appreciate it. Um, of course, that is not going to affect the quality or the, I don't know, crude behavior <laughs> on this podcast. But um, I, I am very happy to have them in our corner. And he's been a sponsor for Shorehammer since the very first year of Shorehammer. And we're getting ready to go into our fifth year of Shorehammer this year. So it is, um, it's exciting to have him on board. And he's going to be a sponsor for Shorehammer again this year. And you know, this is my favorite time of year because, uh, well, okay, okay. That's a stretch in a little bit. This is still in my busy season at work. It's not my favorite time of year, but something that makes this a lot cooler is that this is the time of year where I can set aside you know, a couple hundred dollars or whatever of short, short hammer money that we have budgeted for new scenery, and I get to go on a bit of a shopping spree at GameMat.eu. And this may sound, oh, he's just plugging up. No, like, legitimately, I have several hundred dollars every single year set aside just for expanding our terrain or buying new mats and all that for GameMat.eu. And not to mention, man, we've bought almost every single mat we own from GameMat.eu. Because I like their mats, and I like, you know, the owner, and they've always been super friendly to us, and all of that. So, also, when you have a convention, and you have to paint so much terrain, and all of that, it is very nice to just be able to buy pre-painted terrain, which is what a lot of GameMat.eu has. And, um, like I said, I have, there is one collection of terrain that I know that I don't have, that he recently came out with in the last year. And I think I'm probably going to be making that purchase soon for Shorehammer. And uh, we, I mean, everything, every year, Shorehammer, all the money gets reinvested back into Shorehammer. So we buy all new terrain and all new mats and all that stuff. So it's very exciting. 
So please help us by helping them and head over to gamemat.eu and I am positive you're going to find something you like on that website. Anyway, thank you once again for my Patreon sponsors. I don't want to leave you out. You guys are lovely and I greatly appreciate your support. Please continue to do so. And if you would like to support the show because I am so dead sexy in your earbuds, then go to patreon.com slash pimpcron and join the Patreon dynasty. Okay, I have rambled far too much. Okay, let's get on with the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On this edition of the Tesseract Mailbox, we have another letter from one of our Patreon subscribers, Leroy Jenkins, and he writes to discuss why he does not play a bunch of different armies, I guess. I was going to say Xenos armies, but he clearly has played Xenos armies in this email. So he runs down exactly the reasons why he does not play these armies anymore. He says, Did you ask me why I don't play Tal? Because remember, uh, previous episode, we said, why don't people play Xenos armies? Did you just ask me why I don't play Tal? Slash middle finger emoji, slash vomit emoji, slash mushroom print emoji. As for the rest, played them, liked them, sold them. Dark Eldar played in 3rd edition, and 4th, and then sold them, and then 7th, and then sold them. The new models are too breakable for me, and Webway Portals were what made them fun. Pass. You know, I completely agree with you on the Webway Portal thing. Um, I can't recall, was it 7th and 6th edition, where you could put out a Webway Portal and you could teleport people out of it, and it was really cool. I really enjoyed doing that. And unfortunately, that's no longer a thing, except I believe it's a stratagem now. Eldar, my first army, I loved Eldar up until they got Serpent Shields. I could not lose a game in that edition with them. They were unstoppable. I sold them and can't get the shit taste out of my mouth ever since. <laughs> Pass. Oh, man. I don't remember exactly what Serpent Shields were, but uh, I remember Eldar definitely had their day in the sun. Tyranids. Played them back in 3rd and 4th. I like them, but they're Nanner's army. I don't know what that means, but they are Nanner's army. What does that mean? I don't know. He's going to have to reply to me on that one. Orcs. I'm not an interesting enough person to play orcs. Always wanted to, but I'm always way too boring of a person. People say, hey, there's a beige wall and Leroy, and I can't tell them apart. (laughs) You know, it does seem like there's a certain type of person that plays orcs. Um, A lot of times they are the boisterous type and the people that will scream wah in your gaming club and things like that. People that don't take the game too seriously, typically. And um, he's kind of got a point. But I'm also kind of a boring person, and I do enjoy my orcs. So, as you probably know, I'm in the middle of redoing them completely. Now, here's one of my favorite, favorite armies of all time, Gene Stealer Cult. I know you like them, but I'd rather swallow than have to play as or against them. (laughs) My friend plays, and I've never told him this, but he loves them so much, but I dread every game against them. Um, I can definitely see that. There's a lot of trickery and things like that, but that's exactly why I love the army. I believe, in my humble opinion, in my not-so-humble opinion, that Gene Stealer Cult is the hardest army to play appropriately. I really do think so. They are the glass cannons of the glass cannon faction. They have, um, Dark Eldar certainly are a glass cannon. I can't deny that. But the Gene Stealer Cult, I believe, are the most glass cannony and that makes for a very very fun game next up is necrons yeah i got a few they're a nice change of pace army oh he had something nice to say about an army okay mini armies harlequins death watch etc you know as well as i do gw will stop supporting them in a few years not worth my time slash investment and honestly leroy i'm a little afraid that you may be right and i have not yet pulled the trigger on the harlequins uh, Death Watch, I doubt I will ever play, but the Harlequins, I really um, have really thought about getting into, and unfortunately, I just don't see... They have so few options for units, so few units. I mean, they literally just have troop, and then they have some characters, and they got, like, two vehicles, and that's it. I really do feel like they should be fleshed out more. I don't like the fact that they are really a mini-army, as you call them. 
Death Watch, on the other hand, is just more Space Marines, for crying out loud. It's just more Space Marines, with a little bit of a flavor change or whatever on top. And Leroy also writes, I disagree that people need to change their list and or have multiple armies. <gasps> Most people are not quite as addicted to 40k. If you have fun with your first army list, then do it. You can learn how it works and be a better player for it. It can just be a different form of casual play. Play however you want. Now, if you are whacking the la the same list, as in WAAC, when it all costs... If you are whacking the same list, then GTFO. I play Sisters currently. I have three iterations of the army, or I have had three iterations of the army over the years. When emulators started selling for 80 to to $100 on eBay five to six years ago, it was time to part ways. Since... Plastic Sisters have come out. I've been able to pick up metal models pretty cheap. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, you know, that's funny you say that because I've noticed, like, on eBay and whatnot, the Sisters of Battle that are metal, uh, the price has greatly dropped. It used to be, for quite some time, for probably a decade, if you had a metal Sisters of Battle army, you could sell that for a pretty penny. And now that the plastics are all coming out, I feel like that's not quite the case anymore. But I appreciate you writing in, Leroy. I greatly appreciate it. And um, him and I have been talking a lot back and forth privately. And, uh, you know, I might, I might leave my wife for him. I'm not sure yet. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks for writing in, Leroy. I appreciate it. You guys can contact me at facebook.com slash pimpcron or pimpcron at gmail.com. Want that or want that not? Hey, welcome to Want That or Want That Not with Just James and the Pimp Crown. Today we are covering Teclas himself, the Lord of Light for the Lumineth Realm Lords. And um, I've got opinions on this. What is your opinion overall of this model, Just James? Uh, let me sit down for a second. Uh, I like it. Do you? Yes, it's very cool looking. Now, let me ask you a question. How long have you been dumb? Uh, as long as you have. <laughs> Uh, actually, slightly less. You're a little younger than me. It's ever since this podcast started. Oh, okay. So, I have several problems with this model. Um, name one. Okay. Go ahead, name one. Okay. Do it. Okay, I'm gonna. Let's, get, let's keep going. All right. So, the face on this. Which, which face? The face on the giant thing he's on, right? What about it? It's a human face. It's like a stone mask. What the hell is this creature? It's not a griffin. Uh, you never heard of fantasy? Okay, yeah, I, I got that. But what I'm saying is, is I feel like this should definitely be a creature's head, not a human head, a human stone mask. Humans are creatures. No, they're not. Um, I just don't... Okay, so the wings of this thing, it's like a lion sort of thing. It looks a lot like the... Um, What's a tail look like? The tail is... I can't even tell. It's long and, and like, black. I, I don't know. Oh, okay. It's nothing special. But um, this kind of reminds me of the... Um, God, what is the name of the general on the griffin? Is it a griffin for Empire? Free Cities? I, I don't know. I don't play general that shit. Griffin? I think it's a griffin. But anyway, um, the body is, like, of a panther or of a tiger. And the wings are of a bird, a giant bird. And it's got some stripes on it on the wings, just like it does on its fur. That's cool. From the neck down, this thing is dead sexy. Love everything about it. My problem is, what the fuck is going on with its face? It really, really bothers me. It's like some... Is it a woman? Is it is it actually a woman? Because it's got a woman's face. What is it, Just James? I need answers. I can't I, see it. I need them now. I need answers. Uh, it is a face. Was it just, a, is a creature wearing a mask? He looking like a man. <laughs> oh, you going to tell me everything now? i tell you everything. I do not care for that mask. If I were to get this model, I, I, I honestly would feel like cutting that head off and kitbashing some sort of creature's head on it. So you want to make it look ugly? Oh, okay. Because that, that stone woman's face on this giant creature is beautiful. Yes, it's very great. No, it's not. You've got a weird standard. Uh <laughs> <laughs> just because you're sexually attracted to this giant monster is weird to me that's not funny okay so 
something else I don't like about this. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and trust me, listen up, just James. I am not a Lumineth Realm Lord hater. I truly am not. Some of their designs are a little odd, but I actually like their stuff in general. I don't really care for the giant poles sticking off their head with no, the horns. Don't care for that either. Yeah, that's a little odd. But I'm gonna take that off and put that face on each and every <laughs> single one of them. <laughs> but overall, I I don't hate Lumineth Realm Lords at all. I, I think they're neat looking, they're unique, whatever. Don't care for the face on the stupid monster. Another thing I don't care for is Teclas's pose. He's like doing the YMCA or something, and he's got his feet glued to its wings. I know he's supposed to be like getting off it and like flying or hovering next to it. Yeah. But it's something about it. Maybe it's because his feet are too pointed together. He just looks fat or something uh, look at his puffy pants he's got these puffy pants and these ballerina shoes it's very very odd design choice and i don't like his pose he's holding a staff and holding a sword up and that's all well and good but he's not really doing anything what is he doing he's uh raising his arms raising his arms holding this sword holding this staff okay so he's happy yeah he's all lit up he's 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 yeah. illuminated he is illuminated I don't like the idea that is he. I'm assuming this unit. It's supposed to be him and that monster, right? Right. Usually, people are on the monster. Usually, like even a Lorial is standing on the back of that beetle. Yeah. But this dude is floating next to it, almost like it should be two different units. And this might sound like I'm I'm nitpicking or something like that, but definitely shut up. But. He, sh- he should be riding this monster. He should be standing on its back. Gross. He should be standing next to it. He could be literally doing anything to this creature <laughs> or on it. But the, po- <laughs> the point is, is I do not care. He's not in an action pose. He's the freaking leader. He's the leader of this entire... Raising your arms, floating next to a beast is not an action. 100% not. It's not an action. Standing on a beast... That's an action. You're just standing there on a beast. Okay, so if he was... Think about how dynamic this could be. If he was, like, bent down on the back of this beast, and he's standing on it, he's got one knee up because the beast is slanted uh-huh. upwards, uh-huh. and then he's, like, holding the back of it, or there's uh-huh. some sort of harness, and he's raising his staff, yeah. and let's say he doesn't even have a saddle. He's Same literally standing shit. on it. Okay. Same old shit. Okay. Let's do it's, what everybody else is doing. Oh, was he a bloodletter now? A blood crusher now? <laughs> a a uh, herald on a blood throne? Okay, your point is slightly valid, but it's still dumb. It's I don't like I don't like him just floating next to it. He's not doing anything. If you look at Nagash, Nagash is a commanding presence. He's floating there. He's holding a book. He's got books floating around. The books him. are cool, and the books even have ghosts in Choose them. Choose one book and read it. <laughs> Otherwise, leave the rest of the library. He's got faces coming out of those books. It's clearly magical. He's cool looking, right? Archaon, on the giant, on the back, mind you, on the back of this giant three-headed beast, it looks like it's taking flight. It looks awesome. The Maul Crusher. The Maul Crusher has this orc standing on the back of standing this. Standing on the back. Standing on the back Arm of raised. This, maybe. <laughs> standing on the back. Change to the back of this bad ass small crusher. Holding on to the chains? Is he holding on to the chains? You know, I don't know. I think he's a, I, attached to his probably. belt. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And um What's the beast doing? Oh, he's just sitting there. Yeah, but he he we uh I'm not super thrilled about that pose, but look at the Star Drake. Look at the guy, the Lord Celestine on the Star Drake. The Star Drake is like screaming, its head is turned, and I think one I think of all his... the Dracos are screaming. Yeah, probably. Not with their mouth open. Probably. But Alorial. Alorial's standing on the back. Okay, so a lot of people are standing on the back. Everybody's <laughs> standing on the back. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's somewhat valid. A lot of people are doing some pet standing. I get it. I don't like just floating next to it. I don't know why. I don't feel like... Number one, I don't like his parachute pants. He looks like a fucking genie, is what he looks like. He looks like I Dream of Genie with his giant parachute pants. Don't Not a big fan of that. Fine with that. He's also floating next to it and not interacting with his monster at all. I know, I know, I know what you really want. 
What? Is they should have some kind of shininess coming from him. No. Yeah, just like the, uh, uh, well, he's got its wings, but essentially that, it needs to be all around him, so then it's more dynamic that way. He's just got a beams of light just shooting from him, because he's luminous. Okay, well, I mean, at least that would make that would be interesting in some way. Yeah. He's a parachute-pantsed, middle-aged genie, floating on the side of this wing, and he refuses, you know, he knows his pet so little that he's not even on its back. Think about that. What kind of battle relationship are these two going to have when, um, I, I feel like the stats of that monster is that it refuses to fight. It refuses to fight for Teclas because he doesn't treat it right. Eat shit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to reply to that, do you? Uh, he fights up in the air. It fights down on the ground. So while he's hovering above it, it's swiping at stuff on the ground below. <sighs> Dude, it flies too, though. He's so high and mighty. He doesn't have to worry about the little stuff on the ground. Also, if he's supposed to be all magical and he's supposed to be illuminating light and, and all that stuff, the Lord, uh, Lord Celes, I get all the names confused. What's the guy with um, Galmaraz, the hammer for Stormcast, the guy that has Sigmar's hammer, Galmaraz, and he's got the swirl, you know, under him. What, what is that guy called? Lord guy man lord lord guy man with swirls below him thank you i think that's the name of it um he's got stuff going on he's got swirls below him like he looks like something's going on it's way too busy this guy can't tell where he is this guy's trying to hail a cab on the side of his woman-faced tiger falcon he doesn't need a cab well then what's he hailing rain he's (laughs) i don't know he's hailing the sun to beam down I'm just saying, I don't, I don't care for this model. I don't know what I would do different necessarily about it. Because now that you kind of bring it up, okay, a lot of people are standing on the back of their creature. A lot of people are standing on the yeah. back. Okay. What if he had some really cool... Okay. Here's an example. Hey. Hey, look at me. <laughs> uh, what about the Carnosaur? The old one on the Carnosaur for um, for Seraphim, right? Uh-huh. He's got a really cool, like, chair on the back of that that um, Carnosaur. Yeah. He's got, like, a throne, and that's cool looking. If if Teclas was in a really cool looking throne sitting down, dude, why doesn't he look badass? Teclas is supposed to be badass. He's an old world character, for crying out loud, and he's the Lord of Light. He's supposed to be this awesome person in league with Alariel and Nagash and all of them, right? He's, I believe he's actually a god at this point. Alariel's the god. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's supposed to be a god. He should be, like, totally not concerned about whatever's going on because he's so powerful. He should be just chilling in his throne on the back of this giant monster. And that would look so much more badass than hailing a cab in his genie pants. Uh... You don't. Uh, so, so he. What he should be. What. He, what. 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 You're saying. So, he's got to have lots of spikes on him. He's got to have a mask on with spikes on it. He's got to have chains. He's got to be a badass. Not necessarily. That's what you want. That's not no. Right. No. Can't be a badass if you have baggy pants. Uh, never heard of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't even know how to reply to that. You and I have MC different. Hammer. You, you and I have different definitions of badass. I think. Um, Shaq in the the Kazam movie? in the Kazam movie. Huh? Yeah, wow, badass. that was badass. Yeah, I, I really would like to see him do something other than float next to it. Well, too bad. Yeah, models already made. Yeah, I know, I know, but. For me, the head of this monster ruins it. It's cool. And Teclas floating next to it and not interacting with the monster at all ruins it for it's me. It's cool. Okay, well, is that I want that or want that not for I you? I don't want it. <laughs> I didn't think so. And actually, I want it. I'm going to buy three. And uh, no, I it is... I hate to say this because everyone's going to hate on Lumineth Realm Lords anyway, right? Everyone's going, oh, weird, blah, blah, blah. I have no problem with weird. Never heard it. Really? Because online, people are like tearing them a new asshole. Okay. okay. Online online does that to everything. Yeah, that's true. Tell online to shut the hell up. That's true. That's true. But a lot of people are complaining about them, and I am totally fine with weird. But something about this doesn't strike me as right. I don't like it. 
I would have to, in order for this to work for me, I would try to get him some sort of throne or something and get some other model sitting in a throne and then get his staff and sword and head and put him on that other model and then green stuff straps around this creature and have him flying on the freaking creature. I think that would be... Oh, and then cut the creature's head off and get some sort of other creature. And then I would be happy. If you like lame things, then all right. <laughs> lame things. Anyway. Okay, so this is actually... I hate to say this. It's a want that not for me. It's it's weird. I'd have to do some heavy kit bashing. I want that. Well, we're at odds. So we should flip a coin. And no, we're not. But uh, whatever. Uh, you... Uh, I will... See you later. (laughs) Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey everybody, this is Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today I'm joined by my friend Beastman. How's it going, Mr. Beastman? Hey, doing great, Pimpcron. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I'm excited to talk about the most wholesome bestest way to pick your new army or your first army Mm -hmm. and uh we see a lot of people go down i what i consider kind of a bad path as far as like i see people post online and the first thing is like oh hey i'm getting into warhammer you know what's the best army or you know what's the most competitive army right or they get into an army and they're like oh what's the most competitive build (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not sure not sure that's the real answer right so, um, what are one of the things that you consider to be a good strategy for picking your first or maybe your next army? I would say to me, the number one factor is the what everybody calls the rule of cool. So, when you look at it, do you think it looks cool? Mm-hmm. If you don't, forget about how good it is or if it's the, the biggest, cheesiest, best thing you can buy right now. Don't buy it. Don't do it. It's, it's kind of the opposite of how you should choose a life partner. <laughs> like, if you think about this, okay. So, th- for a miniature, you want the coolest looking thing and the substance of, like, how awesome it is in the meta right now should be secondary. Right. And honestly, when you're, sp- you're picking a, a life mate, like, <laughs> the, I mean, I mean, y- it sounds weird, but really integrity and how much right. you like the thing, which <laughs> technically, I guess it's not really the same. It well, actually is the same. Well, you don't want with a with a spouse or whatever. You don't want all, all flash and no substance. You don't want... The, yes. I mean, I guess some people want the trophy wife, but but I mean... I think a lot of the... I think that's the 40% that ends in divorce. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yep. But I mean, honestly, there's the people that cheat on you and all that. There's the people right. that they look good in a picture, but otherwise they have no morals, no substance, no whatever. Right. And it's kind of like that with... um, you know, What do they say? Like, um, beauty fades, but... Uh, Stupid's forever? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's true. I had a teacher. But, I had a biology teacher in high school. That that's what he told us. He said, "Stupid <laughs> fades." Or no, he said, "Beauty fades, stupid's forever." Okay, that's, that's actually but, pretty good. But that's not what you were going to say. Um, you know, there's a phrase like um, "beauty fades, but integrity or whatever honesty is forever" or whatever. And you know, as you get, I'm getting off on a tirade here, but essentially, like a miniature for how much you like it, not what it can do for you. I guess you could say. Right. And it, I mean, I think what you're saying too is like, uh, you, it might be like the new shiny at the beginning, but yeah. then eventually, you know, it's everything power creep happens and then that fades off. So are you still going to have that attraction and want to play that army? Or are you going to divorce that army and shove it to the back <laughs> of your uh, shelf or whatever? Or start cheating on that army yes. with another army. Ooh, you sexy uh. bone reapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's essentially what I'm trying to say. Yeah, is, I got is, you. is that what is the longevity of you liking a model or an army? Right. In the same thing as a life partner. Like, what's the longevity? Is this like a hot fling or is this a, something you can actually do for a long time? Right. You're going to put the time, the money, and everything into the army. Is it going to be a fling or is it going to be something you'll always go back to and play because you really enjoy it? It looks cool. It's fun to play. You like the play style. Yeah. Yeah. And it speaks to you on some deeper level, not just, you know, whatever the current meta is. Because just like you said, the meta changes. So whatever's hot this week, not necessarily is going to be hot next week or right. 10 years from now. Right. So like you can't tell me that anybody actually thinks Tau is cool. <laughs> but people play the shit out of it. Uh, I mean, I, I like the aesthetic of Tau, but I don't like, yeah, I don't really like how they play that much, unfortunately. Right. I guess it's, they look a lot, they remind me of what, like Gunpla or whatever, like yeah. the Gundam. 
Yep. So they're kind of cool, I guess. Um, you know, it's funny because just James and I were discussing this the other day at work and we were like, um, how neither one of us are concerned with the, how awesome a model is. We want to know how good it looks, mm-hmm. but there is slightly a caveat to that because you don't want to just play with garbage models, right? but you also don't want to just chase the meta. There's, so, a, there's a balance there for sure. Yeah. yeah. And when I personally look at an army or I look for a unit, the first thing is the attraction of, oh, this looks cool or the theme of it is cool or right. or it sparks my imagination in some way. Um, but then the secondary thing is, okay, can it do something interesting on the battlefield? It doesn't have to be super killy. It doesn't have to be super awesome. But does it have some sort of defined role on the battlefield? You know? Right. Um, I feel like there's a lot of units in the game that are that don't necessarily have, and I'm talking AOS and 40k, mm-hmm. don't necessarily have a very well-defined uh, role to play. Right. And it seems like some some miniatures kind of try to do everything. They like do a little bit of melee, little bit of shooting, little bit of, and it ends up not being anything. Right, they do a lot of, it's like, uh, what do they say, jack of all trades, master of none. It's like they do yeah. a lot of things, but they don't do any of them that well, so they end up just being kind of meh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, that's kind of a, I guess I'll use the relationship, and it's a turnoff for me, when you're like, oh, I like this model a lot, and then you look, and it has no real role, it doesn't do anything special on the battlefield. Right. And that's yeah. like one of the one of the coolest models in the like to me in the Night Haunt range is that that black coach and they put out the new black coach yes. a few years ago when they put out the battle tome and at first I was like oh I gotta have this and then I was like oh it's one hundred and ten dollars what does it <laughs> what does it do like it doesn't have to be amazing but it has to be pretty good yeah I mean I love the way it definitely passes the rule of cool but anyway once I looked and saw what it did and how much it cost to play it, it was a no go even though I thought it was really cool I just I yeah I always. I can't see myself playing. It's like what it does is, is just kind of like weird. I don't know. I just, I can't see myself playing it. Yeah. I, I remember something about it. I don't know if it was the new rules or the old rules, but it's slowly built up right over time. I don't remember how, but it's, it's slowly the details like either. it dispelled magic on like, you know, one to two. And then it like slowly, the chart gets better and better. Right. But you're right. Something like that, that's such a slow grow or such a slow... You're not even sure if you get the benefits of it. Right. That's what anybody who's played even a little bit is going to look and they're going to target that right away. And then you've paid all these points and you never got to build it up and it's it's dead. Because yeah. anytime a model's bigger too, it's it's going to be a an easy target. People tend to, to get distracted by that big model. So then it's just gone anyway. Yeah. So... Um. And then you look at also uh, play style. Mm-hmm. That should be a big consideration. I know it is for me. Um, are you looking for a Swiss Army knife type of type of uh, army where you can, you know, do a lot of different types of things on the board at the same time, mm-hmm. or you can specialize that army different ways, or you know, are you somebody who who likes chaos? So you like just charging ahead, getting in the fray, getting in, getting stuck in, and just swinging away in lots of melee. Mm-hmm. Or are you thinking, man, I really like the shooting play style, so now you're looking at more like Caradron or something like that. So, I mean, I, I do think that that also is a is a big um, a big factor in picking what kind of army you're playing. You should know what their play style is first, because you might find it boring. Or it might just be a play style that you know you're bad at. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could look at, like, Fire Slayers... And they they're pretty. If if you do the right build, they're pretty cheesy. Like they're they can be disgusting. Yeah. But it's just kind of very point and clicky and samey and and kind of boring. Like the fire slayers, the magma dross, the drag, like the fire dragon, all the different mm-hmm. versions. They look amazing. But beyond that, you've got berserker, this berserker, this berserker, this. You've got like naked, <laughs> ne- like naked fire dudes. Well, also not to mention that something else is that 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 whole army only has. Either three or four regular units that aren't a hero. Right. Like, good God, you got 15 heroes. And all you've got and, is those four choices for battle line. Yeah, and that's that's not up my alley either. Right. And they all just do the same, basically the same thing, just with uh, with different... Gimmicks or gimmicks, whatever. Gimmicks, yeah. Yeah. It's like, at least if it's a small army, like a small battle tome without a lot of choices, at least if, if they've got a lot of different ways to play them that mm-hmm. makes it a little bit better like we were talking about the new uh, lumineth stuff and it's like you know that is a small codex and that bothers some people and i can see why but at the same time you know they've got hammers they've got 
um, the Dawn Riders on horseback to, for flanking. You've got um, uh, you got your uh, your bowmen that can shoot, and you've got a lot of heavy uh, wizards, like really good wizards. So really, you can build that so many ways to do a certain type of army, or you can put them all out there on the board. So you've got you've got your magic coverage, your shooting, your melee. Mm-hmm. Um, your so it's I kind of like that. Like the I like the options. Yeah, I agree. And some armies are suited, like you said before, to Swiss Army knife stuff, like Stormcast. For crying out loud, they are a they are a Swiss Army knife right. army. You can play them any kind of way. Like your Stormcast are almost all shooty, and mine are almost all melee. Right. You know, we we have the same army, but we have completely different mm-hmm. ways to play it. Um, and uh, even like uh, Legion of, Gash, of Nagash has quite a bit of diversity. I think they're still kind of light on the shooting. Yeah, there's almost no yeah. shooting from them. But it's... I mean, there are a lot of things like Night Haunt is, even though I like Night Haunt and I play it, it's kind of samey. Right. But Legions of Nagash, there are several ways. You could do all zombies and corpse carts and necromancers, you or you could do some Night Haunt. You could do the, uh, what's it called, Soul Blight with the yep. vampires. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different ways to do that um, with the bat swarms and the fell bats and all that, which is how I I do the soul blight. Now, flesh eater quartz is not part of the legions in the gash, right? No, it's okay. not. Um, years ago, that was part of vampire counts as okay. the whole army, but that's been split off. And now that's another army that has very few model choices, right? And it's pretty for the most part. There, it's like besides like the dragons, it's like a shamble forward mm-hmm. and attack, and they do it well, but um. I don't know, the only, I've only played Flesh Eater Quartz a couple times and um, since they put out the new Codex. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, it's not mine. You know, if you enjoy playing it, that's you. But I was like, I, I don't I don't think I would enjoy playing Flesh Eater Quartz because it was pretty much like, I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you fast. And then I'm just going to rip your face off, which is <laughs> which is good. And you probably will win, but. And then th- we're going to come back and we're going to come back. And right. we're going to come back. Yeah. And then by like the third round as an opponent, I'm kind of checked out. Yeah. And uh, it's also, like you said, a one note. There's no shooting. There's no. It's just you literally running forward. Right. Beyond the dragons, I think that's probably the only like the breath is like a is yeah. a, is a ranged attack. And I almost think that's a scream. Yeah, it's not an <laughs> it's actual not weapon. A, yeah. It's a scream. That's how it is for night. <laughs> the like night haunt. The shooting in night haunt is actually like yeah, screams, banshee whales, banshee yeah. whales, and stuff like that. So so your your space marines, your space space marines, and your cast space marines are probably the most. Uh, Swiss um, Swiss Army knife in 40k because just the sheer amount. I mean, like my uh, my Chaos Space Marines that I've started now are all centered around things with the demon keywords. So like the um, possessed and the warp talons and all the demon engines. Where before I sold my old Chaos Army, my old Chaos Army was not like that at all. It was very <laughs> infantry oriented. Well, now I want to do it a different way, and right. you can do that. And Space Marines, God, their their whole codex is is, is an encyclopedia, essentially. It's enormous. There's so many units, you really could play it however you want. Um, now, but, you know, 40k, I feel, in general, their armies are more fleshed out individually than Age of Sigmar. Right. Because Age of Sigmar splintered, like, vampire counts alone. Vampire counts have been broken up from Warhammer Fantasy into Legions of Nagash and Night Haunt and flesh eater courts right. and i almost feel like there's another one but anyway it's it's like a lot of different stuff going on right and then you end up with the the Caradron overlords which aren't as bad as fire slayers but they don't have a whole lot of unit options either they have maybe eight units right and the fire slayers have three or four and i feel like ultimately gw may expand those eventually but I feel like Age of Sigmar is a little more, uh, armies have less breadth to them. Right. They're a little bit more specialized. They're definitely more, spe- yeah. like each codex, when they, especially when they put on new ones, you can kind of tell it's, when, especially when it's an offshoot of something that used to be rolled into a different codex. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what, these guys are getting their own codex, but this is what they do. And that's kind of, kind of it. And so. that's actually one of the reasons uh, why I like my Tomb Kings so much is because my Tomb Kings, you could do all archers and catapults and, and do stuff like that, mm-hmm. or you could do heavy on magic, or you could do heavy on melee, or you could do heavy on monsters. Like, the Tomb Kings have a ton of different options. options. And and all the fantasy battle armies had tons of options, but now it's been broken up right. into smaller Makes me stuff. wonder, then, do you mention that? Because I didn't play Warhammer Fantasy. Um that seems like it's calculated, and I wonder. It makes me wonder why 
GW would do that if there was a reason behind it or uh, maybe just dollar signs. <laughs> I don't know because Age of Sigmar 2, all the different gods have their own codexes. Right. There is no quote-unquote demons codex in Age of Sigmar. Right. They only have, you know, the Hedonites of Slamesh or the uh, Disciples of Zinch or the Corn uh, Bloodbound or mm-hmm. the whatever the Nurgle one's called. Uh, Whereas yeah. 40K, they actually have a demons codex. Of, right. of all four demons together. See, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. even know that. And wow. um, and once again, in in um, uh, in Warhammer Fantasy Battles, they had a demons codex where you could bring corn with Nurgle and whatnot. But it's it's they keep spreading it out, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I do. I do wonder what their strategy was there. What there had to be a reason why they went in that direction. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what it is. And what's funny is with the cities of Sigmar for Age of Sigmar, I noticed this that um. They have a ton of different options, a oh, ton. Yes. But when you actually get looking at them, many of their units are pretty much identical. Like it might be one thing is different, right? I'm right. just I'm just going to make something up and go, "Oh, this battle line of dwarves, a 6 to hit shooting counts as two hits, and then this elf unit in melee as a 6 to hit counts as two hits." Like it's it's basically right. the same thing. They made a few thing. cosmetic changes, but it's basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got so many options in there. Yeah. And um, in Cities of Sigmar, a lot of the banners do the exact same thing. Huh. A lot of the hornblowers do the exact same thing. They could be elves or dwarves or humans or whatever, and they have the same buff. And that's a little irritating to yeah, me. Yeah. It seems like they, they must have just they kind of listened to some of their fans that have been playing for a long time. And they're like, well, some of these things that aren't getting played and aren't are kind of like squatted. Mm-hmm. we'll bring them all together in the same book. Now, we're not going to be able to write, like, super unique rules for everything, but at least you'll have you'll have a code, you'll have a book, a battle term or whatever. You'll be able to play them. Yeah. But, you know, we're not going to spend the time to to develop unique rule sets <laughs> yeah. for all of them. So it's kind of a, that's a give and a take. I can see where that's bad, but then at the same time, at least for all these people that have been playing for a long time that have boxes full of some of that old fantasy stuff, now they can play it up to date and actually competitively. Like there's some lists for them that are nasty. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Um, and also, uh, Cities of Sigmar more than any of them really lends itself to proxies, mm-hmm. like to make. Uh, I'm just gonna say you take one city and you can bring elves into it and you can bring whatever, but you're like, oh no, I want to do all elves that you know. I want to do. Free guild guard, but they're elves. Right. And then you could either proxy elf models, or you could build your own free guild that are elves, sort of thing. You no, know, which it also that also brings up another good point of when you pick your army, you might want to pick an army based off the fact that they can do that there, that they play nicely with others. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they some armies they they don't. Whereas something like that, it's like you know what you can do the different like you can play them with Sylvaneth and say it's the city of yes, uh, living city, yeah. living city, or you can play them with Caradron, Caradron, yep. and you know so you can. That's another thing to look at. Some armies do that better than others. I'm trying to think of of other other armies that play play well with others as as well, but I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like most of the order yes. armies because um. Stormcast can be brought into any cities of right, Sigmar. Right. And um uh man, I'm gonna there's another one too where you can bring other units from another army and it's included as the army. I can't think of it now though. But um I almost I almost want to say Stormcast with Sylvaneth or something right. of that nature. And well I guess Death does it well too. With the Legions into Gash, you can do Nighthawn yeah. or whatever, you can kind of bring some different death factions together. And actually the um the chaos does too. If you want to do all corn, you can bring mortals of corn and and um slaves of darkness and demons of corn and all that under the corn banner. Right. The one side that seems to be the worst about that's destruction. And it's that's the weirdest one to me too, because you would think they would just if if they're just the way they play, you would think they would just all band together and destroy shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's literally what they want to do. Yeah. But um, it doesn't seem like that's really They don't play well together, you're right. Yeah, it's it's odd. But I think I think fundamentally, or at least traditionally, order was the one that was the most synergistic and had the most buddies. Which makes friends. sense. They're like you know, and from a traditional standpoint, they uh, they kind of st- stick together. You know, they're more easily like governed and and mm-hmm. kind of organize themselves and get along. Versus you know, the other ones are like all out for themselves. Well, actually, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. like chaos would be fighting among themselves right. or whatever. Yeah, um, so. There's a lot to consider. Um, oh, yeah. Like, like usual, um, we say that the aesthetics of it, or maybe even the lore, I'm not a huge lore person, but... 
Right. If if the lore really sparks your imagination or really gets you excited, um, I'm more about playstyle and the look of the models. Yeah, I would say lore is probably a distant third ish for mm-hmm. me. I would definitely do look a or, uh, yeah, rule of cool, and then um, playstyle, mm-hmm. and then after that, I would say it's it's um the um the lore the lore yeah. Um, what's weird though but is it's pretty that- distant third though. Yeah, it's, it almost doesn't <laughs> register for me at all. It's I know you're the same way. Yeah. Um, but now, if I start a new army, I'm looking for a new way to play. Yep. And that's that's the reason why, you know, you have a lot of armies now. You're catching up to me and James, but um, <laughs> me and just James have a lot of armies. And the reason why is because, oh, this army does this well. This army does that well. And, I mean, in a way... It's not really a uh, monogamous. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Some people play their whole career of wargaming and they play one army. Right. But I am always interested in playing in a different way. And um, also, I-, I don't know if everybody's like this or not, but I really, really enjoy learning how to play an army. Mm-hmm. And when I have so many armies, uh, I forget how to play them. Yes. So then by the time <laughs> that I get back to it, I can grab a cup of coffee, I can sit down, I can read the book all over again. Right. Because I don't remember how to play them. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, looking for, you know, synergies or or even just different ways to play it. Like, oh, if I take this guy on a steed, he buffs people with a steed and I can bring an all-steed army or right. whatever. And that's always cool, yeah, when you first start playing the army, you kind of, um, you figure out the strengths, the weaknesses, better ways to play them. And that's kind of a, I like that part. That's one of the funner parts to me is when you when you're playing the army for the first half dozen times and you're kind of uh, tweaking and tweaking lists and just figuring out what you like and what works best and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So um, variety, I think it's important. I mean, it's I played nothing but the my first army was um, Legions of the Gash, which turned into Night Haunt, and I played nothing but that for like over a year. Yeah, and it just I enjoyed it, but it did get. I was like, oh, I'd like to play something a little different. Yeah. So then I think I started, because you had so many armies at the time and I only had one, I started kind of, I'm like, let me try that army and you let me like play your Seraphin or play this one or that one. Yeah. So then, so anyways, and then I was, but I was led to my second army is Beast of Chaos, but I was led to that. I hadn't played it. I didn't know. I had no clue what it was going to do, but I, <laughs> I saw the, I saw the cover of the book and read a little bit and I saw all the goats and bulls yeah. and all that. And I was like, gotta have it. Yeah. You said that, you said that months before you started that army, you're like, mm. oh man, goat people. I got, <laughs> gotta have it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and they're not terribly competitive, but they're not bad. And yeah. but I love them. I love building them. I love painting them. They look cool on the table. They're I like the way they play. Mm-hmm. Um, love the shrine. You know the call points. It's just so I'll I'll play them. I I'll five years from now I'll still bust out my beasts because they're just cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, one other thing that uh, might play into some people's uh, um strategies for starting a new army too is the price cost like the actual yeah. dollar yeah definitely. and that really can affect it um in my normal uh, in my general opinion it's cheaper believe it or not to play horde armies definitely because when you buy hordes on the secondary market hordes go for very cheap because yep. anybody that has that army has 300 of that model right and it's the whole supply and demand thing Whereas, like, Grey Knights or Elite Armies sell for more, even on the secondary right. market. Because they already have... It's three models for 60 bucks or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tends to be with the start collecting boxes, obviously, you get more value. And usually, there's a, there's one decent-sized unit of that kind of chaff yep. hoard in there. So, like, my Beast of Chaos, I bought, like, three start collecting boxes. <laughs> yeah. At the time, they were only, like, 70 bucks. Yeah. And I got a ton of horde stuff in there and that was like the basis of my army and then from there it just kind of built out but you know you're absolutely right whereas you look at like caradron yep they're expensive to collect and they're also not a horde army right so and it's because of the small model count and their start collecting box kind of sucks um well, well it's gotten with, better but... with the new book now yeah. that the gun hauler can be battle line now it's better right but prior to that it was a start collecting with no battle line <laughs> which is the <laughs> dumbest like, thing what are you ever. doing yeah all um, right that's but, true but now that can be battle lines, so that's okay. It's better that. than it was. You're right. You're um, right. But um, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, oh, so this yeah, with the start collectors, the start collecting boxes, they um, they come with you know a couple like two good units, mm-hmm. and then the chaff. Right. And then if you already own any amount of that army, you already have the chaff. Right. So then you're gonna sell the chaff just to get rid of it, and that's your as a new person. 
it's easier for you to scoop that up at a nice mm-hmm. price because anybody like I always said orcs it used to be now I don't I don't know right now but when I used to sell on eBay a ton orcs were about a dollar a piece jeez and the reason why is that if someone's selling his orc army he's selling 400 right. fucking orcs so like he's got to sell them at a cheap rate yeah right so and and that's the way that goes you know mm-hmm. um so, so you can't swing us on the online like for sale forms you can't swing a stick without hitting a, a lot of like eight bazillion dryads from the sylvaneth like yes people, like you can get a ton of dryads for pretty darn cheap they're always around yep. and so. then so once you get that good deal you got the nice core to an army mm-hmm. then eventually you save up some money and you buy a monster or you buy another hero or right. whatever and that's a it's a super cheap way that is got to be the cheapest way is to buy hordes first yep and um, you can, of course, you could just buy the start collecting, but, you know, that's right. a good start as well, actually. Now, you know, the flip side is if you don't buy them secondhand, if you buy them new out of the box, you got to build and paint all those bad boys. But True. And it really just depends on what your what your preference is. If you, some people don't mind that. Some people think that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why. But like, with the, the Miracle of Contrast paint, you know, you, you, you depending on what you get. What kind of uh, chaff it is, you know, if it's dryads, just you get that dryad bark or, oh, for sure. or whatever it's called, wildwood, uh, brown yep. contrast paint, boom. Or we were talking Done. about blood letters. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. Slap some of the, um, some of the, the, the blood, uh. Blood angels or yeah, whatever it is. something like that. The contrast paint. Yeah. Boom. Done. So I guess what we're trying to say is that you, when you're picking your first army, um, you really should not, in conclusion, you really right. should not be worried about the meta because the meta is going to change. Yep. If you play long enough, like, uh, there was a time when, like, just for instance, my Necrons, right? Mm-hmm. My Necrons, when I first started, were pretty garbage. They, their rules were way outdated. We were in fifth edition and they had a third edition codex. Jeez, it was that old. That bad. Yeah. It had been 10 years and they never had a new codex. <laughs> so, I That's mean, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of armies like that. Um, Tau were like that at the time. There were several of them. GW didn't used to have this output of production. Right. So, um, so during the time that I've played Necrons, Necrons, generally speaking, were garbage when I started. And then they got a brand new codex right before 6th edition, which was not bad at all. And then for a long time, they were kind of meh, just just hanging around while other armies got better. Right. Then when the whole Decurion detachments came out in seventh edition, Necrons were the first one to get one and their Decurion detachment was freaking awesome. And they, then all of a sudden they're powerful again. Right. And then all through eighth edition, Necrons are kind of meh. And I suspect with this new stuff, they're going to be good again. Yeah, and, I suspect so. Yeah. So if I had bought them, I probably, if I was chasing the meta, I would have probably bought and sold that army three times now right. in 10 you, years. So it all, the conversation comes all the way back to where we started with the metaphor of the relationship. It's, you know, when you get married, they say, and in sickness and good times and bad times and sickness and in yes. health, are you willing to do that with that army? Good. Cause there's going to yep. be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be sickness and there's going to be health. So, uh, yeah. That's a really good analogy, actually, yeah. Sweet. I'm smart. I used to teach English, so <laughs> I'm not just an idiot on the Warhammer page. <laughs> but, but no, that's a, that's a really good analogy. Um, so, just make sure you got, it's got legs, you know? Yep. So, I guess the best strategy would be pick horde models <laughs> that you like the most and you and that it has some breadth to the way you can play it. Yep. And then try to get those for cheap and start the army that you like. And hopefully it's got some versatility and some different ways to play. And you slowly grow your army from there. But the meta is not forever. No, <laughs> like it changes not. quickly. You might you might buy something because it's meta then. And by the time you get it built and painted and on the board, the, it's not it's not meta anymore. Yeah. I, I've seen that happen. And I also feel almost like they do that intentionally to spur sales, which you can't blame them. No. Um, I've said this before, but I still love this. And then I'll let you go. Uh, this anecdote, Bliggity Blam Steve, right? <laughs> uh, in, I think it was 6th edition, it might have been 7th edition 40k, all of a sudden, uh, GW back then rarely issued an FAQ. But they issued an FAQ and Flamers were awesome. Or not Flamers, um, Screamers. No, no, they are Flamers. Flamers of Zinch. Right. And the Flamers were fucking awesome. Like, I forget what it was. They were, you know, minus 2 AP or, or straight 3 damage or it was just, just awesome. So him and all the dickheads in the world <laughs> went out. I'm not necessarily calling him a dickhead, but you get what I'm saying. Right. All the power gamers in the world, including him, went out and sold out all of the, the flamers because they're like, oh, this is so awesome. And they bought them. And then like two months later, when the demon book came out, 
they didn't have that stat line anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so mad, and I, it just it just felt good in my belly. <laughs> yeah, I would be pissed too. But yeah, that. But yeah, at the same time, it's like kind of that's what you get, like yeah. karma or whatever. Yeah. Yep, and that's all just meta. So he had two really good months of beating our ass with these flamers. And then, whoops, they're not like that anymore. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, he was so mad. Like, he was, he was really mad. But that's what you get. But anyway, thank you for being on, uh, Beast Man. I appreciate it. It's been yeah. a while since you've been on. It so has. Our yeah. schedules have not. They haven't lined up. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you to all my Patreon sponsors, and thank you to Game at EU, and we will talk to you later.